Well, I am fired up this morning. Totally fired up. Hanging out with Zach. I, I played Ultimate Frisbee last night. I never play Ultimate Frisbee because, if you know me, one of my things is I always go to bed early on Saturday night so I have enough energy on Sunday mornings to actually preach. Well, that didn't happen because Zach is here and Zach's like, I want to go play Ultimate Frisbee. So I'm like, okay, Zach, if you want to go, I'll go. No, actually, I wanted to go too. But we both went... And then it got down, right? I mean, it got competitive. I started losing, so I'm like, we're playing another one. And then I lost it. We're playing, and then like, one more, right? And then we're there until like 11.15, 11.20 at night. Well, now, by the way, I was by far the oldest person in the Ultimate Frisbee game. So now I'm sitting in my bed, surrounded by my kids, um, pretty tired, pretty sore, and I lost. And so then I just began to read the Bible. I was telling the leadership team this morning, I read the Bible. And I just kept on reading it, kept on reading it. Then 3.30 comes along. I'm still not tired. I'm still reading. And finally, around 3.45, I went to bed and woke up three hours later. So this is the three-hour sleep version of Dan. And um, so that should be kind of fun. If I uh, start talking about, you know, random things, just get me back on track. Um, I think it's going to be good, though. So Kaleo... Um, <clears throat> We started off, anyone remember the first week of Kaleo? This is the series that we're in. It was called to, called to care, called to com, uh, compassion, splachnisomai, if you remember. Uh, last week, I loved last, that was just awesome last week. Anyone remember? Called to, called to generosity, called to supernatural giving. And this morning, this morning we're going to look at that each one of us have been called by God to serve. We are called to serve, wholeheartedly, faithfully, obediently serve. Now, today's message is going to be a little different than most of my messages. I sent out an email earlier this week and I said, the Lord just keeps on telling me the same thing over and over and over again. And the funny thing, if you read that email, I didn't tell you the thing that he told me. Now, if that ain't a cliffhanger, I should have been like, come to church to find out what's next. Well, that was funny. Thank you for laughing. So finally, the Lord just kept on telling me again and again. I said, all right, God, I'll preach it. I'll preach it. I'll preach what you want me to preach. And it was this one word. The one word is vision. This morning I am preaching vision. Vision for your life. Vision for my life. I don't have three points like sometimes I do. I don't have to fill in the blanks. If you want to take notes, you can write them on the back of the Life at Life Spring insert in your bulletin. But today, by the grace of God, I just want to dump, unload, unleash a bucket of vision on this place this morning. I want it to where you would have to walk out of here this morning realizing, and I pray this in the Holy Spirit, that you would realize that God has a vision for your life. He has a vision for your life. And part of his vision is that you would answer the call of God to serve. To serve. Oh, great. He's going to get me to be empty in the garbage now. Call the sir, you know. Sure, Pastor, I'll vacuum the chair. Whatever. All right. See, most of you know I was in Spokane. I was just telling Zach 10 years ago, right? Um, in Spokane is when I met him. When I first got there, I don't know if you remember, uh, I was in a basement of an air conditioning company, spider infested basement. Now, it was a glorified basement. And this place was pretty sweet, but it was a basement. And they worked in the front and, and up, up front. And I was alone. And if you remember, my uh, fiance was like, Yeah, I am not marrying a pastor. See you later. Have a great life. And so now I'm alone in the basement of an air conditioning company. But I spent a lot of time at Blockbuster, but I also spent a lot of time. I'm reading books. One of the books I read was Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. Anybody ever read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? Get it. Oh, it is so good. 
fresh wind, fresh fire. And listen to what he writes. This is towards the beginning of the book. This just got me pretty big. He goes, I despaired. This is Jim speaking. I despaired at the thought that my life might pass me by without God moving greatly on my behalf. Does that speak to anybody else this morning? Does that resonate with anybody else that we would despair at the thought that my life, my one chance on this earth would pass me by without God moving greatly on my behalf? speaks to me. I think it speaks to many of us because there's something within us that wants our life to count for something bigger and greater than just ourselves. We want to be in awe and overwhelmed by the supernatural move of God in our life, to be a part of God's glorious plan of redemption and salvation that we were singing about this morning. As we continue through Kaleo this morning, it's important for all of us to understand that God has this vision for your life. It is part of your calling. He wants to move in you and through you in supernatural ways. Just think about Jesus. You see this a lot in Jesus and his disciples. Think about Matthew chapter 14. He is calling Peter, right? They're in the boat. And he invites Peter to come out and walk on water. And he says one word. Anyone remember what the one word was? He says, come. He says, Peter, come. This morning, guess what? Jesus says, come. He's talking to you. He says, hey, Jason, get out of the boat. Come. Come on, buddy, come. As Jim Hayford preached so well two weeks ago, Jesus is calling us, I love what he said, to where the supernatural would become natural. The supernatural would become natural. It's just the way things are. Do you want that? Do you believe you can have that? All right, Sandy and I, we're going in the supernatural. The rest of you, have fun at Ranchitos. Because, see, once you believe that that is actually possible, once you believe you are a part of the Almighty's divine plan, speak and say divine, divine, that you are born with a divine supernatural destiny created beforehand by God, for God, there is no stopping you. In fact, there is no stopping you from living that abundant, fully surrendered, obedient, crucified life with Christ, in Christ, that you've been called to live. So as we get going this morning, I want to share a story. It's pretty popular. It's maybe one of the most famous Bible stories in all Scripture. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them now. The Old Testament, we're in 1 Samuel. That's before 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we'll be in chapter 17 a little bit as well. This is all about a man named David. David. And David, he's known for a lot of things, but he's famous really for two main things. One, he kills a giant. Anyone remember the giant's name? Goliath. But then also he is the second king of what, what nation? Israel. Yeah. He, he kills the giant and he's king. And, and I love the story of David killing Goliath. If... It, <laughs> This guy's, I don't even know if you'll get me on this one. But see, it fires me up. This shepherd boy, he answers the call to fight Goliath because think about it. Everyone else, they were terrified, right? They were afraid. They didn't even want to go in there. But then David comes out, the shepherd boy. He comes out with a sling, five stones, kills the guy, goes out, grabs his sword, 300 style, cuts off his head, picks it up. I mean, so you got to understand from where I come from and, and the family that I grew up in, you didn't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was always imagining I was David. Like, I was David. Because, like, we didn't have weapons. Like, 
I, I'm not even joking. Even having a squirt gun was like pushing the line in my family. Like, ah, oh, damn. Well, you can have a squirt gun, but just don't shoot anybody with it. You can't shoot a squirt gun. No, you just shoot it in the air. You know, shoot a target. Well, anyways, one time my dad, he got me a slingshot with BBs. Oh, man. And, you know, I, I got my Bible, you know, knowledge as a kid. I've been to that, you know, Sunday school with the felt board and David killing Goliath. But here I am, and, and I'm just thinking, I got a deadly weapon. <laughs> you talking to me? You're talking to me. Now, to be honest, I couldn't hit a cow if it was sitting on me. But, I mean, here I am with my deadly weapon. So I, I love the story of David and Goliath, this young shepherd boy who kills this arrogant giant, and then he goes on to become the king of Israel. And in church, we talk a lot about this David who's the shepherd boy, and we talk a lot about this David who is the king. But sometimes we don't talk about the process that brought David from the humble shepherd boy to becoming the great king over a nation. And I want us to see, every one of us in this morning, see that part of this process is a process of service. It's a process of working out his calling in obedience. This is important. In the obedience of everyday life, living a life of service. And I hope to explain that and show that to you this morning. So let's start at the beginning of the Bible's account of David. We're in 1 Samuel 16. Now, at this time in the nation of Israel, it's kind of like election year. Just nobody knows it. See, Saul, he's the current king of Israel. But God, if you remember, he rejects king, uh, rejects King Saul because Saul has been lacking in obedience. And now the prophet, if you remember the prophet Samuel, he comes and he's looking for a new king. He comes to David's house, the house of Jesse, and he has all of David's brothers line up. We got seven brothers and David isn't even there. But here's this lineup. So Samuel can come and choose the next king of Israel. Election day in Israel was a little different than election day in America. In Israel, there's only one vote. And do you happen to know whose vote that is? Who is it? It's God. God God votes them in. God votes them out. It's just God. That's it. God says no to the first seven brothers. Samuel has to ask, is there any other sons? Jesse's like, well, I got the other one, you know, ten the sheep. Samuel says, go, go get them. Nobody sit down. We're going to wait for him. Comes back. Samuel sees David. You're my boy, right? You're my boy. He anoints him with oil, anoints him as the next king. Now in that story, one thing I noticed is, just see how much David is overlooked. I mean, this is Cinderella, right? He is over, like, he's not even in the initial lineup. He's more of an afterthought in his family. But do you notice, this is powerful to me, do you notice how that doesn't stop God's call from happening in his life? Come on. It doesn't stop God's call from happening in his life. And I'd say as much as this is true of David and God's call on his life, do you know that's also true for you? There's a good chance that you have been overlooked by most people in your life, just like David. Maybe your family, or maybe your work, co-workers, or maybe other classmates. But guess what? God picked you out. This is good news. God picked you out before the foundations of the earth. He had his eye on you for a long time. Did you know that he had his eye on you when you were in middle school and you were going through puberty and every girl rejected you as you tried to ask them out? That during that time, he was shaping you. He was forming you. He was creating experiences and relationships in your life, giving you challenges and obstacles to bring you to a place where he could use your life for his goodness and for his glory on this earth. Did you know his vote is for you? Did you know he chooses you? He chooses you. So Samuel, here he is. He anoints David in front of all David's brothers, signifying that he is going to be the future king of the nation of Israel. In front of all of his family, he is singled out, saying, you, you're going to be the next king. 
Now, this is pretty big time, right? This is Twitter worthy. You could post this on Facebook. If I was going to be the next thing, like, hey, by the way, friends, check this out. King of Israel, you know, selfie. Just, but here's the deal. Oh, you know David would be all over that. But then he'd go to Bathsheba's page, and then we'd all be in trouble. But. Wow. Three hours of sleep, just focus, staying on the tracks, staying on the tracks. But here's the deal. So he knows he's going to be the future king of Israel. But what does he do? Does he stand in the front of the mirror and practice his king way? Does he go to Tiffany's and get fitted for the crown? Does he go to Nordstrom's, get his Armani king robe? No. In fact, it's incredible what we see David doing. Look at this. The Bible says David goes back and forth between tending his sheep for his father and playing music for the king, for King Saul. So he's anointed, but then he goes forward. He moves faithfully, serving in the task that he has been given to do. He tends sheep and he plays music. But then here comes the story. The Philistines come along. Boom. Philistines. There's about to be a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. But listen to this. 1 Samuel 17, 13. Jesse, this is David's dad. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first son was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So he's got his three older brothers. They're gone to the front line of the battle where the action is. Front line where the action is. But David, he's just going back and forth between the sheep. Do you ever feel that way? Right? Come on. In your job, in your parenting, in your role at church, or just in life in general, does it feel like everybody else is on the front lines where the action is? And you're just going back and forth, back and forth, doing what seems to be very insignificant to you, just going back and forth, back and forth, to and fro from some sheep. I think a lot of us feel this way often. I think mamas, uh, stay-at-home mamas can feel this way when they got little kids. Everybody else is on the front lines in the action, but you're just changing diapers. And then you're changing another diaper so you can change another one an hour later, so you can change another one an hour later. And what happens sometimes is you can begin to convince yourself that what you are doing doesn't really matter. You know you are an anointed one of God, but yet here you are, you're looking after the sheep, or in this case, you're changing poopy diapers. And, And what can happen is a discouragement can begin to settle in. A discouragement. And it can happen to anybody, anywhere. It can happen at the home, but it can happen in the workplace. Anybody ever been discouraged in your job? Or in your schooling? Pay attention. For those of you who feel like your life doesn't matter, or maybe the activity that God has assigned to you is inconsequential or not important, right? It's not the frontline stuff. I want to say to you that there is nothing that is insignificant in your life when it is being done for the significance of the cause of Christ. Nothing you do is insignificant when you do it for the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning. If, if you're walking the Christian walk, if you are faithfully and obediently following him, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that God, listen to this, he is performing the divine, the supernatural through you today. For every one of us in this room, God has a call on your life. From the foundations of this earth, he has shaped you. He's formed you. He knows you. He's anointed you. He's placed his mantle on you. He has called you. Here we are. Some of you still know. I can feel it. There's a struggle that you have. 
There's a struggle. I've talked to many of you, and I know that some of you share these tremendous promises that God has placed in your heart. You've shown uh, these dreams that the Lord has given you for your life. But maybe this morning you just kind of feel like you're going back and forth, back and forth. You know you're anointed to be king, but in the meantime, you're attending sheep. You smell like sheep. You are surrounded by sheep. All you can see is sheep. But I can tell you the most significant opportunities in your life are going to be found in the midst of those sheep. They're going to be found in your day-to-day serving as you do these tasks, as you watch the Father's sheep. That opportunity to kill the giant is birthed in your faithfulness of service. This is so important for us to grasp this morning. I, I want to speak prophetically for just a minute. Did you know that right now, 845 service, we are in the midst of people, people that are sitting right next to you who are living this day-to-day life of radical obedience. I know some of you. I've, I, I know you by name. Some of you are living this life. And these people, they are being obedient in their service to the Lord. And these same people, they're going to kill some giants. In fact, they've already killed some giants. Did you know there are some giants in this community that need to be taken down? And did you know? See, and, and that sounds good, but it might happen through the person to your left or to your right, through them, right? Maybe just look at the person next to you. It's a giant killer. And even if you want to accept that, let's take it to where it really goes. You are a giant killer. You are a giant killer. God has planted a dream in you. And you know that you are created for influence and destiny and impact. You know it. But again, if you're honest, you're having a hard time. You're going back and forth, doing menial things, seemingly insignificant things. But I just say this morning, do not give up. Remain faithful. Remain obedient to the task at hand. Yes, you're, you're raising that high schooler and they are driving you nuts. You want to kill them. But you know that God has called you to that task. You know that God gave you that child. You remember that promise that the Lord gave you, that he gave you that child. You know that God is going to use that child to make a difference. You remain faithful in raising that son and daughter. There's a good chance. You were raised in a world changer, a difference maker for Christ. Remain faithful. Do not give up. It matters that you remain faithful. In fact, Matthew 25, 21 says, if you are faithful in a little, God will give you the opportunity to be faithful in a lot. Faithful in a little. God's going to give you an opportunity to be faithful in a lot. So here's David, a little shepherd boy, going back and forth, anointed to be the future king of Israel. He's tending the sheep, tending the sheep. Being faithful in a little in the day-to-day responsibilities of life. Doesn't get his name on the business card that he ordered at Vista Print Change from shepherd boy to future king-elect of Israel. Right? None of that. He tends his father's sheep and he plays music for the king. Then one day, one day, the Bible says, David, big opportunity comes. And oh boy, does it come. I want you to see how it comes. We're going to see what led up to David killing Goliath on the front lines in the battle. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. The Bible says that one day Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers in a hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, locked up, set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to their battle positions, cry, shouting out their war cry. 
Israel and the Philistines, they were drawing up the battle lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines, shouted out his usual defiance, and David heard it. And here's what's been blowing me away this past month as I've been studying the Scripture. This could change your attitude towards service and obeying the Lord for the rest of your life. There's a good chance you won't leave here ever the same. Listen to this. The only reason that David was ever within earshot of this Philistine in this position to do something great for God was because he was faithfully serving and obeying the directions of his father to bring cheese and bread to his brothers. I want that to blow your mind. The only reason David was in a position to do something great for God was because he was serving and obeying the directions of his father to bring cheese and bread to his brothers. A glorified cheese pizza delivery boy. He wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have had the opportunity to take down Goliath, but he had answered the call to service, to obedience. And the Bible says he didn't just do it half-heartedly. Go back to verse 20. It tells us that he got up early. He got up early. He gave him his first. He gave him his best. He got up early. He ran to the battle lines and he did the small thing that God had given him to do. What would life spring look like if every single member, if every single person who calls this place home was running to the battle lines to do the seemingly most insignificant thing for the most significant purpose with a wholehearted intensity with a full throttle devotion to God? What would it look like? I'm not just talking about in this church. I'm talking about in your everyday life. What would this body look like with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? We started running to the battle lines, doing the seemingly most insignificant thing with a wholehearted intensity, with a full throttle devotion to God. What would it look like? What would it look like? I hope you see this expressed in me. I hope you see this expressed in your pastor. I hope you see me taking the front lines on this, taking charge in this, that whatever I do, whether it's a Bible study or ultimate Frisbee on Saturday night, I'm doing it to the best of my abilities. I want you to know, when I took over the youth ministry here, it was Emily and I, Emily Faber, if you know her, we're leading the youth ministry. The first Sunday that we were here, we had four kids, four kids here. And I tell you, Emily and I were so excited We were smiling at each other. We were praying beforehand. God, bless these kids. God, reach these kids. God, make these kids world changers. Remember that? We would say, make them difference makers for the kingdom of God. And we poured into those kids. When I became your senior pastor, the week after I got here, or the week after Pastor Chad left, so he left, we celebrated and he left. The week after, we had 63 people in church that Sunday. 63 people. And I got to tell you, we were so excited. Myself and Pastor Randy and Pastor Adam, we were just like, there's 63 people at church. And we prayed and we began to serve. We were faithful in what God was calling us to do. And that's what we see in David. And I pray that that's what God would see in all of us as well, that there would be a sacrifice of all of us, a sacrifice of us trying to get significance, a sacrifice of us trying to make and manipulate the results or the outcomes that we would just give back to God and say, God, we just want to remain faithful to do what you have called us to do. 
And here's the thing. I, I've seen this develop here at Lashmi. I've seen this culture develop. And it's in, so important. Uh, it's become an important part of who we are. That those who volunteer their time at this church, I love this. They are beginning to understand that nothing they do, nothing done here is insignificant. It all matters. If you find, uh, help someone find a parking spot, if you greet them at the door, it matters. If you give someone a bulletin or a cup of coffee, it matters. If you're giving someone, maybe, maybe I don't know, you're sweeping the floors. Maybe you're turning on the lights, you're turning off the lights. Maybe you're emptying garbage. It all matters. It's a culture and attitude of service that doesn't allow anyone to buy into the lie that what they are doing is insignificant. Think about it this way. This is a good way to put it out. Every Sunday morning, people come in through those doors to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. On any given Sunday, the reality is they are being positively affected by dozens upon dozens of people. Really, whether they know it or not, they are being influenced by all the amazing servants here at the church who are doing what they have been called to do with a significant, wholehearted devotion. So that by the time I stand up here to preach a message, by the time I invite someone to receive Christ, the battle has already been won. It's already been won because people have been obedient to the task that was before them. There's no chance the enemy can win when God's people are all playing their part with a purpose and with a passion. When we're all serving the Lord like that, giants will come down. The enemy will be defeated. Amen. Amen. Here's the deal. Some of you, you just need to jump into ministry at this church. Like right away. Like you need to jump in. You think it'd be insignificant if you answered the phone during the week. You think it'd be insignificant if you put the sermon up on the web or if you mowed the lawn or if you wrote get well cards to the sick or if you made crafts for the kids or served infants in the nursery. You don't think it would be very important for you to give a couple hours a week to serve at this church. Let me explain something to you. If God can use a shepherd boy's simple obedience to take cheese and bread to his brothers on the battle lines, using his obedience to kill a giant, do you not think God could use you volunteering in the nursery to lay a life-changing, life-altering foundation in that child's life so that when that child grows up, the first conscious thoughts of God that they would have would be the love of God that was displayed through you, the nursery leader who loved them and served them and dedicated their life to them. Do you not think there might be some significance there? What a beautiful and loving image of God that we could present to these little ones that Jesus loves so much when you answer the call to service. Do you see how powerful service can be? You are called to serve. And yes, you are anointed and God has a great plan for your life. But it doesn't just start one day when you get your big break. You don't just sit around playing video games or browsing the internet. And then, bam, now I'm going to do something powerful for God. It starts when you do what God has given you today. When you faithfully do what God has given you today. It starts... When you do what God has given you to do right now. When you, when you start doing the seemingly most insignificant and unimportant things. That's when it begins. The greatness of God. The call of, his, the call of God in your life. It begins when you're serving the cheese and the bread. Simple acts of obedience. Simple acts of service. And I know it feels like you're just changing diapers. I know it feels like you're just tending sheep. We've all been there. I know it feels like you're just running cheese and bread to the battle lines, but hear me. You are participating in the supernatural. You are part of the divine. When you say yes to God, you are saying yes to God's supernatural divine plan in your life. And I pray that you just begin to understand that this morning. 
begin to hear that. The Lord just begin to open your eyes, even in the spiritual realm today. That when you obey, when you obey the Lord, and you remain faithful to God, when you serve Him, you are part of the divine. You know, a lot of school teachers go to this church and, and paraeducators, and, and the reality is, you're serving God in your school just to the fullest capacity. I mean, you're just pouring out. You, you've you've learned your lesson plans. You go again and again over the material that you're supposed to present. Yeah, I've talked to some of you, and, and some of you, all it feels like is that all you do is just discipline the kids, right? You're just a glorified babysitter. And, and sometimes you might even be feeling like, why, why am I doing this, right? What's the point? But every time I talk to you, you're like, no. See, God has a call in my life. I've been called to this. And the reality is your faithful service, even when it's hard, even when you're like, no one else could do what I am doing. Right? Do you ever feel that as a teacher? I, I bet you do. Like, you have no idea what I am doing for your kids. But I want you to know it is making a difference in the lives of those kids. Many of those kids, you don't know what's going to happen. Many of those kids, they're going to become Christians. And not just the, you know, the ones that kind of call themselves Christians, but like Christ followers that are like dirty from the dust of the rabbi. They are following Jesus so closely that they are covered in his dust. There's a good chance that you're going to be serving and blessing and teaching a kid that will do bigger and better things than you could ever imagine. And guess what? You had the privilege to play a part in that. Maybe you're attending this church, you're holding a Bible study. The Lord said, hold a Bible study. You hold a Bible study, but only a couple of people are coming. Maybe you send out a devotional and you know only a couple of people read it. Maybe you're sending out encouraging scriptures on Facebook. You ever done this and you get one like? Then you write about puppies and you get a hundred likes. Or maybe you, you pray before service, but nobody else joins you. Or maybe you're witnessing to your neighbors, but it doesn't feel like they're listening. Well, I'm here to tell you, don't quit. Don't give up. Be faithful in the little things. Be obedient to the voice of God in your life. You keep on delivering the cheese. You keep on delivering the bread. What you're doing, it matters. What you're doing, it matters. Let the Lord plant that deep within you this morning. Do not leave here without that planted deep within you. That your faithful service, you answering the call of God and this call to service, it matters. Again, what if every single person in this church began to walk this out. We, we realize you're not just a greeter. You're not just a drummer. You're not just a children's worker or just this or just that or just or just. But you are a full-time member of the kingdom of God. Yeah, XYZ Corporation might pay your paycheck, but guess what? You are on staff full-time in the kingdom of God. Did you know that? You are a full-time minister. There is no such thing as a part-time ministry because there's no part-time God, part-time forgiveness of sins, part-time Savior. There's no part-time life spring. There's no part-time gospel. This isn't a part-time endeavor. What you doing matters Sunday through Saturday. It matters. If you work at a restaurant and you are wholeheartedly serving your customers as unto the Lord, even when your boss isn't there, you know you could be cutting corners, but you're not. It matters. When you're at a bank and you work at the bank and you faithfully operate with integrity, it matters. If you parent your kids and you raise them up in the things of the Lord, your service matters. It matters. And it's hard because you don't get the bigger picture. God sees the bigger picture. You don't get that privilege. And sometimes you kind of want the bigger picture. Personally, in my life, I do not want the bigger picture anymore. If I knew the bigger picture, I would not be where I am today. It would scare the hay out of me. I'd be sitting in my room just shaking like, oh God, I could never do that. But no, you surrender all of that to God. 
We surrender our future to God. God, he knows how it's all going to work out in the end. He knows how it's going to be used for his glory. He's God. I'm not. Praise the Lord for that. But for me, what I do get to know, I get to know today. That's what I got. I got today, and I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to use it for the Lord. I'm not going to waste it doing nothing. I'm not going to waste it doing things that I shouldn't. I'm going to be obedient in today, and I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not even going to worry about how my obedience today might affect my tomorrow. I'm just going to give the best of my best, the best service, my first and my best to the Lord, and I'm going to live the abundant life right now. Doing what God has laid out before me to do. You see this in David. Look at David. David himself. He's in a position. He's in this position to slay a giant because he lived this way. He was thrust into the national spotlight simply because he served God to his fullest ability with what he had day after day. And then his big moment comes and he stands before Goliath. You remember what he said before he kills Goliath? This is what he says. This is so pow- This is cocky, but it's powerful too. He says, the same God. Who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. You know, while I was keeping those sheep smelling like sheep, all I could see is sheep. Well, guess what? He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. He's saying it's all paying off. It's all paying off. It's his Mr. Miyagi moment. If you remember the original Karate Kid, right? Mr. Miyagi. I mean, here's Danielson. Danielson is so frustrated, but Mr. Miyagi is like, all right, I want you to paint a fence. He teaches him because, uh, if you remember, Danielson, he's getting picked on. He's ready to fight. He wants to learn to fight. Like, I got to learn to fight. Mr. Miyagi's like, okay, paint the fence. So he paints the fence. Remember that? Paints the fence. Then he's like, stand on the floor. Stands before. And he's like, now I want you to wash the car. I want you to, you know, wax on, wax off, all that, right? Finally, Danielson's just like, he puts his hands up. I had it. What are you talking about? I didn't come here to paint the fence, stand the floor, wash the car. I came here to learn how to fight. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi he says, okay, show me wax on, wax off. And Mr. Miyagi, he starts throwing punches, right? And he's like, wax on, wax off. <laughs> right? He's blocking him. And then he's like, show me wax the floor. He's like, wax the floor. Or no, uh, uh, sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor. Remember, and he's kicking him. Remember? That's so funny. I watched it this week, and he's like, ah, he's like, wah, wah. It's kind of awkward, actually. I don't think they teach that one in the karate studios. But, and then the other one, um, um, paint the fence. Remember? And he's like, pshoo, pshoo, pshoo. And then the funny part about that is I realized I haven't painted many fences. It's kind of like, that's how you paint a fence? But anyways, whole other thing. But there they are. And, and this is the news for you. God says, you see, while you thought you were just painting the fence or changing diapers, I was preparing you to take down Goliath. Right? The whole time you thought you were just putting up with your middle, child, middle school child, I was using you to invest in that child so that they would become a world changer for Christ. The whole time you thought you were just handing out bulletins as a greeter, I was using you as a conduit of love to a hurting world. God is preparing you. Even it seems insignificant, God is preparing you. Keep painting the fence. Keep sanding the floor. Keep waxing the car. Keep serving. Keep running cheese and bread to the battle lines. Keep tending the sheep because God is preparing you for what he's already prepared for you. He has called you. He's anointed you. He's placed his divine destiny inside of you. And he's going to do more in you and through you than you could ever imagine as you faithfully serve him to the fullest ability of your calling. You are a beautiful creation of the Lord and you have a divine purpose. You have a divine calling on your life. A calling to serve. Let's answer that call this morning. Let's pray. God, we are so good at throwing pity parties and whining about our life. 
And the whole time we do that, we are blinded by our own attitudes of all that you want to do in us and through us. So many of us, we struggle with the, well, you know, not like it really matters. It doesn't really matter if I'm kind to the clerk at the grocery store. It doesn't really matter if, if I yield and let that person in on the highway. No one's even looking. What does it matter? And we allow ourselves to get way off track. Some of you, you're not even like a little off track. You are way off track. And right now, God, we need you to get us back on track. Where we would surrender not just the big things, but the little things of life to you once again. The day-to-day things of life. Lord, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was doing laundry. And I'm trying to put the sheets on the bed for our guests. And, and, and you just told me, you said, Dan, this is significant. You're laying it out. You're, laying, you're preparing this room for a mighty, powerful couple of the Lord. For their rest, for their sleep. This matters. This is significant. And of course, Lord, you began to speak to me how much my wife pours out in the day to day, taking care of the kids, doing laundry every day. And yet, no one's cheering her on, no one's rooting her on, no one's saying, wow, that's incredible, that's amazing. But yet, God, there you are. I believe you are cheering her on. You're saying, way to go, girl. I'm so proud of you, girl. I love you, Mary. I love you. You're doing it. You're doing it. Keep it going. Keep it going. You're doing it. You celebrate us, Lord. You celebrate the divine purpose you have for us, God. And you don't waste an obedient heart. I just believe that with all my being, that you do not waste an obedient heart. And I pray that over everyone in this room, Lord, even now, that if you've gotten off track, you don't have to wait till tomorrow or the next day or the next day to start walking in the divine that it can happen right now God wants to speak to you God wants to reveal his plan to you his good and perfect plan for your life and his will for your life he desires to pour that into you and to show you and to reveal it to you he's going to speak that to you and even now just think about that one thing that maybe you've been called to do that one thing you know what it is the thing that no one's going to say thank you for. No one's going to say, wow, that was great and that was awesome. There's just that thing where you do it and you say, God, here's my offering. Here you go. Here you go. I love you. Here you go. So Lord, speak to us by your spirit this morning. As we get ready for baptism, I just pray that you begin to speak to us, Lord, this morning. That you're not dead. You're surely alive. You're speaking your will. You're speaking your purposes. You're speaking to us that we might walk in the divine, that we might walk in the supernatural, that the supernatural truly would become natural. Still that in our hearts this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. I love this song. And while we sing this song, some of you, there was that one thing that the Lord was telling you. And I want you to go write it down on the back. We got ushers back there with markers. And it's called to serve. If you still have some area that God is calling you to in the area of uh, compassion, go write it back there. In the area of generosity, write it back there. Again, after service, you got to read some of these. These will blow your mind. You're going to be like, wow, that person is in my church. 
Like, seriously, it is awesome. But call to serve. If there's something that you know, like, God, I have not been obedient to this. God, maybe, maybe it's, yeah, you have been working. You have not been obedient. You know what I'm talking about. Your boss is kind of, you know, not there or maybe not really looking that closely to what you're doing. So you've kind of been slacking and you really haven't been doing it as if you were doing it for the Lord. And I, maybe just today you have to go, you know, I'm called to serve at my job. Just remind yourself again, with the Lord's grace all over this place, just remind yourself once again, God, I'm called to serve in my job. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe you come home from work and you don't hang out with your kids like you should. You haven't gotten on the floor to play with them in a long time. Maybe you just be like, I'm called to serve my family. So whatever that is, I just encourage you, write it down. Simple as it might be as we sing this song. It's a good one. Hope you enjoy it.